Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we focus on the 2018 Africa Women's Cup of Nations. We have a special report from the host nation, Ghana. Uh, I know about the female tournament. I, I heard about it, but I don't follow the female soccer that much, really. Yeah. Also, with Esperance of Tunisia winning the CAF Champions League, we ask why the North African dominance is so strong. That's coming up later, but first we've got a big weekend of 2019 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers. It's match day five, so more teams will qualify, some will fall by the wayside. Standout games include South Africa against Nigeria in a top-of-the-table clash in Group E. The Gambia must beat Benin to stay alive in Group D. Uh, in Group L, Uganda need just a point against Cape Verde to qualify with a game to spare. And in Group G, Zimbabwe need a point away to Liberia, also to qualify with a game remaining. Namibia will go top of Group K if they can beat Guinea-Bissau. Uh, Sunday's games include Ethiopia taking on Ghana. Uh, it's wide open that group. That's Group F with Kenya on top. Kenya's game against Sierra Leone will not be played as Sierra Leone is serving a FIFA ban. Mozambique take on Zambia in Group K with Zambia bottom but still very much in it if they can get a result. Group H leaders Guinea host second placed Ivory Coast. We'll review the games on next week's show as it's a crucial stage of qualifying. So that's qualifying for the men's Africa Cup of Nations finals. And the women's Nations Cup finals start in Ghana this Saturday, with eight teams taking part in the continent's biggest event in women's football. There have been 10 editions so far, or 12, depending on how you count them, as the first two were not played as tournaments with a host, but rather as World Cup qualifiers with home and away legs. While Nigeria have won all but two of the editions, Equatorial Guinea taking the other two, Cameroon have finished runners-up three times, as have South Africa and Ghana. And in the last two editions, Nigeria have beaten Cameroon in the final. Cameroon were the hosts last time. The opening game on Saturday sees Ghana playing Algeria and then Mali take on Cameroon. From Accra, this special report from Planet Sport Football Africa's Betty Yorson. After almost a year of preparations, Ghana is ready to host the 2018 Women African Cup of Nations for the first time in the country's history. This edition of the flagship women's football competition on the continent has Accra and Cape Coast as host cities from November 17 to December 1. The Accra Sports Stadium in the country's capital needed a major rehabilitation packed as an estimated 12.5 million Ghana cities, which is about 2.5 five million dollars contractors officially handed over the stadium after renovation works last week the current renovation is the first time in 11 years the edifice has seen a major facelift after it was last renovated in 2007 for the hosting of the 2008 african cup of nations for Accra, a city that has not had an alternative world-class football stadium, one will say that Ghana winning the bid to host the Women African Cup of Nations has been a great blessing as the 40,000 capacity edifice comes back to life again. Cape Coast, the other tournament venue, 
had worked on uplifting the standard of training facilities as the major focus area of preparations. Local organizers have done their bits of preparations and promotions and all look set for the big kickoff between Ghana and Algeria on Saturday. But on the streets of Accra, the buzz about the 2018 Women's Afghan Tournament is still not a fever pitch. Do you know about Ghana hosting any tournament? Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware, but I'm not following much. Okay, do you know the teams that are participating in this tournament? Do you have any idea? I have some... I can't mention it all, but I know Algeria is part, Ghana is part, uh, that's the host nation Ghana, and that's in Nigeria. Uh, Cameroon. I, I heard about it on the radio. The ladies, I don't know whether it's Africa Cup or World Cup. But <laughs> okay, and do you know when we are hosting it? Have you heard about it, the date you are hosting? No. I think the publicity is a bit low. Probably it's because it's, it's the ladies. What's your name? James. James, do you know about any tournament coming up in Ghana? Uh, I know about the female tournament. I, I heard about it, but I don't follow the female soccer that much, really. Yeah. Host Nation Ghana's Black Queens will be making their 13th appearance at the Women African Cup of Nations. The team's preparations towards the competition was hit with so many challenges. Major one is the corruption expose in Ghana football. This led to a halt of all football-related activities with the team forced to break camp for close to a month. Despite the challenges faced during the preparations, Black Queen's midfielder Priscilla Ocho is excited about Ghana hosting the tournament as she believes playing on home soil will be a great advantage to the team. Always we play away. Sometimes our family watches us on the telly, but right now it's right here in Ghana and um, it's a great feeling when I'm playing and I'm seeing my friends, my family on the stands cheering me up praising me and everything, it gives me that morale to do better. So I think that here is a good, um, it's good for us because we are hosting and people are saying we have to host and win. We are not thinking about that now, but I know that we are going to do better. The Queens wrapped up with their preparations for the Women African Cup of Nations with three international friendlies against Zambia, Kenya and South Africa. After watching their last friendly game against the Bayana Bayana of South Africa, I sampled the opinion of some Ghanaian sports journalists on the national team's chances at the tournament. If we want to host and win, we must put a lot of things in place. As it stands now, the only out and out striker that we have in our team is Samira Sulemana. I think the team is still, I mean, put in their bits and pieces. They've not uh, gelled so well. We still have a challenge in terms of goal scoring. But uh, once the tournament is up and down, the adrenaline alone from the fans can urge them on it. it I think that we are at around 60 to 70 percent as a complete team. There, there were so many rumors that Ghana will be stripped off and all that. Finally, the tournament is here. Are you feeling the buzz? Not, not feeling the buzz. We are hosting. Let's see what happens. But if we are trying to beat what Cameroon did in 2016, we need to do something amazingly incredible to achieve that. My name is Betty Olsen reporting from Accra, Ghana. Exciting stuff. Thanks, Betty. The tournament lasts for two weeks, the final on the 1st of December. Uh, so, Solomon, let's have a prediction from you. I think there are great teams and it's going to be a great tournament in Ghana. You know, we also have to remember, Steve, that the tournament 
also doubles as the African qualifiers for the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup. The top three teams will qualify for the World Cup in France and Nigeria are the defending champions. So there's a lot at stake for the eight teams that are going to be lining up. First seat for me is definitely going to be Nigeria and also South Africa and Cameroon for me. I'll put my money in South Africa and Cameroon also as two teams that are that have been coming up really strong. Uh, and South Africa for me, they've been playing really well, building uh, over the last five, seven years, they've been building very well. And gradually now, they're beginning to take their rightful place. My prediction, to be honest, Steve, I think I'll put my money on South Africa, Nigeria, uh, to play in the final. Uh, I think South Africa will play well away from home. They're the current Kosafa uh, champions. And also not forgetting, Ghana is home. And as the host, they might just come through the back door. Cameroon also never write them off. But I think Nigeria is going to defend their title once more. Okay, so we'll see. Uh, For me, Nigeria, yes, the obvious favourites. I wonder if a Cameroon or South Africa might be able to upset them or if home advantage might work for Ghana. Uh, I'll say Cameroon for a first title. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen to the show on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there, including Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast, plus interviews you can read with many sports stars, including Brazil's Kaká and Cameroon's Collins Fai. And in the About Us section, there's info on all of the members of the Planet Sport Football Africa team and pictures of us too. That's on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. Well, now let's go back to last weekend's CAF Champions League final, where there was a great second leg as Esperance of Tunisia beat Al-Athli of Egypt 3-0 to turn it around and take it 4-3 on aggregate. Record eight-time champions Al-Athli led 3-1 from the first leg, but they didn't have a single shot on target in the second leg, and Esperance certainly deserved it. They're the African champions for a third time. So we posed this question on social media last week as it was a North African affair for the second time in a row. Uh, Last year, Al-Athli were in the final again, losing to Moroccan side Widad Casablanca. Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa took it in 2016 and TP Mazembe of DR Congo in 2015, breaking the North African dominance. But overall, the North African clubs do dominate. And last week we asked, why do you think that that is happening? On Facebook first, Alex Terry in Nigeria says it's very simple. The North African teams are well organised. Musa Ndo in the Gambia believes investment is the key, saying the North Africans take good care of their clubs. They put a lot of money into their clubs and they have good players, says Musa. On WhatsApp, Joachim Mudanga in Uganda agrees with Musa. I think they're putting much into football finance-wise, says Joachim. But this goes deeper than just the clubs. In some countries, the governments put in less effort into investing in sport. That's why less is being done in other parts of the continent. 
That point is echoed by Francisco Dardoma in Malawi. The answer is simple, says Francisco. North African clubs invest more in their clubs. Most Central and Southern African teams use domestic players, but on the contrary, North African teams invest much in all aspects of the side, including players, so no wonder their teams are so strong and hence their dominance. Malik E. Bojang in the Gambia agrees, saying facility-wise, they have better stadiums, better pitches, more pay for their players. In my country, says Malik, players in the top division are paid under $50 a month, so you can't expect the level of play on this basis. We always welcome your voice notes on WhatsApp, and from the Gambia, here's Mahari Jaju Cham. It's simple. Why? Because they are more financially capable than most of the other regions in, in, in the continent, in Africa. In football, money can buy you success. And that's what uh, has been manifesting on this CAF Champions League. Thanks, Mahari. But Medlav, also in the Gambia, thinks there's more to it than simply money. Football is a competition and the teams should be more determined in winning their matches than the North African countries who have the better sides, says Medlav. Barnabas Ande in Nigeria agrees that money isn't the only answer. It's simple, says Barnabas. There's more focus on domestic football growth in North Africa. They have good league management as opposed to other regions. In Africa, they'll dominate in many years to come. Here in West Africa, we need to invest more in grassroots football, says Barnabas. We heard from Togo, from Paul Terry, who says North African sides have a good structure in their grounds. You don't see that in West Africa, and also they pay their players good salaries, says Paul. Biswek and Jaqua in Malawi agrees. North African clubs are dominating the CAF Champions League because they have good infrastructure in their countries, helping them to develop their local talent better than in this part of Africa, says Biswek. Dan Ogega in Kenya agrees it's all to do with good structures. Their leagues are well developed with better structure, so it's easy for the players to thrive and become even more competitive, says Dan. Also, they use their home ground advantage very well. Joseph Adelino brings a perspective from his own country, Namibia. Well, I think the North African leagues never get disturbed, and so the players have got much time to put into their football, says Joseph. That's unlike here in Namibia, where the league is always getting postponed due to lack of funds and lack of communication within league management. And here's a perspective from Daniel about the situation in Ghana. The North African success may be due to their mindset about football and their passion for it. Over the years, West, East and Southern African teams have not learned to be at the top. They dominate domestically, but there's no improvement and their dominance reflects in their national teams as well. Another factor is that we in the West are fighting corruption and other problems in football. Now Ghana will have no representative in the CAF Champions League and Confederation Cup. It's a pity and we should be ashamed of it, says Daniel, who's referring there to that big corruption scandal in Ghana and the subsequent fallout. And Sonny Armstrong is in Cameroon and Sonny says there's a better organisation of football in North Africa. Most leagues from West Africa down, like here in Cameroon, are ineffective with more office action than on the pitch. The bottom line is that the practice of professionalism helps the North dominate over the rest. Uh, great points there, and Sonny. And finally, Victor Wilson in Sierra Leone believes it's down to a golf in class. The North Africans are matching the standard of the European teams, says Victor. Well, thanks for all of those comments. Uh, just to wrap this up for us, Solomon, some uh, very good points there. 
there's definitely something that not African teams and not African football leagues are doing right that the West African side of uh, the continent in the East Africa and the South African need to learn from. Uh, quite a lot has been mentioned by our listeners from you know their level of of organization to the league, very good league management to like great league structures and also the infrastructures that they have. And, and I feel all these points are, are, are really valid. And I think one of the things that are, is just the, the fact that a lot of North African teams, when you watch them play, uh, they play together as a team, as a unit, far more than teams from East Africa or from West Africa or South Africa. They play more as a unit and they seem to concentrate on, on really understanding the basic and playing the basic form of football where you play to be able to score goals. And I think that's one of their strengths. So uh, technically, they are very different. Technically, the counter-attacking is one of their strengths. You know, doing the basics and not having just one superstar or one star on the team that would make the difference, but building from behind. And and from a young age development, you get to understand the basic technical aspect of football because sometimes in Southern Africa or West Africa, we tend tend to spend more time on the ball we tend to entertain more than we uh we we score goals we tend to not understand and not develop in a way that you know football is a team game and i think one of their major strengths is they play as a team uh and to be able to function as a unit so it's difficult to defeat them yeah, even when they play against teams that have you know strong individual players uh and, and that way i think is worked out for them in a very great way yes they have an infrastructure definitely being closer to Europe has helped them to really build on that and to understand football from the perspective of neighbors like Portugal and Spain Uh, but also they also have a good league structure and also investment from private entities into football and 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 also looking at football where you have long culture in you know when it comes to clubs a lot of these clubs have been in existence for so many years like al-hali zamalek esperance wada casablanca they, they've been in existence for a very long time but if you look at clubs from west africa a lot of them have not been in existence for a long time and even when they've been in existence for a little bit of long time they tend to go down you know and and lose their their status for for a bit due to maybe financial problems or whatever before coming up again later teams like asante kotoko uh teams like uh you know aimba aimba itself has not been in existence for a very long time so we need to be able to be consistent in our development when it comes to clubs from other parts of africa though we have a rich history but we're consistent in moving forward and we're consistent also in keeping the culture of the club consistent, importantly, in winning, not just domestically, but also continentally. Well, thanks, Solomon. And you suspect that that North African dominance will continue for many years to come in African club competition. Well, this week on Facebook and on WhatsApp, we're asking for your reaction to this weekend's Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers. So as the results come in, you can feel free to give us your thoughts, uh, depending on how your team does and what you think these standout results are. So looking for your thoughts on the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers, you can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Give us your reaction to the weekend's Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers.
So it's an international break this weekend and no English Premier League matches, so a chance to catch up on the title race. Manchester City on top on 32 points after winning the Manchester derby last weekend. Liverpool on 30, Chelsea on 28, all of those three still unbeaten. Uh, Tottenham on 27, Arsenal in fifth on 24. Our European football expert Stuart Weir joins us from the UK. Uh, So Stuart, still three teams unbeaten there, but how much of a boost was the derby win for Manchester City? Well, it was a comprehensive win for City. You know, when City took the lead after 12 minutes, they had already completed 96 passes, whereas United apparently had only completed six. Jose Mourinho said that City's three goals were all the result of United mistakes. Perhaps that's true, but it ignores the fact that City were frankly superior in all aspects of the game. You know, this season, City have been averaging 45 touches in the attacking penalty area. And it's really just hard to see anyone else winning the league. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Manchester United's season will not be defined by losing away to Manchester City. Most teams will. United's problem is that they've already lost to West Ham and Brighton. They've lost at home to Tottenham and drawn at home to Wolves. It's dropping points like that that's killing them. United's goal difference is minus one, and that's their first negative goal difference since 1977. And they've conceded 20 goals in 12 games, and the last time that happened, 1966. So United are seven points behind Tottenham, who are in the fourth and last Champions League slot. I think winning the league is beyond Manchester United. And frankly, getting into the top four will require them to play a lot better than they have so far. Yes, it's a big challenge for Manchester United. And uh, Manchester City have been in the news concerning the UEFA financial fair play rules. Uh, What's the issue there, Stuart? Financial fair play rules were introduced in 2011. And since that, any club qualifying for the Champions League or the Europa League have to prove that they do not have any overdue payables towards other clubs, players or tax authorities. In other words, they have to have paid their bills. Secondly, they can only spend $5.5 million in a three-year period more than they have earned during that period. And there are also restrictions on owners giving money to the club and calling it sponsorship. Now, an allegation has been made against Manchester City that they have hidden $50 million in their accounts to avoid being seen to have broken the UEFA fair play rules. Now, we stress it's just an allegation at this stage, but it could be serious. If City are found guilty, they could be banned from the Champions League. Manchester City, of course, is owned by the Abu Dhabi United Group, Sheikh Mansur bin Zayed al Hayan, And he is the person who is supposed to have put the money into the club. And we stress again that these are allegations, but it's a story we will keep our eyes on. Sure, interesting. Uh, Now, Ivory Coast defender Sol Bamba was in the news last weekend as he scored a late winner for Cardiff against Brighton and removed his shirt as he celebrated, but didn't get a yellow card as the referee asked if he had removed his shirt and he said no. Um, Anyway, Stuart, uh, Sol Bamba has been around uh, quite a bit in his career. Yes, the 33-year-old was born in France to Ivorian parents and opted to play for Cote d'Ivoire, for whom he's made 48 appearances. 
He started at Paris Saint-Germain and then spent seven years in Scotland, followed by two at Leicester City. He then played in Turkey and Italy before coming back to England for two seasons at Leeds United. He joined Cardiff City in 2017, being part of their team that was promoted to the Premier League last season. You know, he scores a lot of goals as a defender. Last weekend was his 20th in league football, and it was quite a good goal because from a corner, he produced an overhead kick which hit the post. A teammate's shot from the rebound was cleared off the line, but Bambo was there to put it in the net. I'm afraid that the referee Martin Atkinson embarrassed himself by not seeing the player take off his shirt and then asking him if he'd done it. Surely, with four officials, someone should have seen it. But, you know, that's not quite the end of the story because after the game, Brighton manager Chris Hutton claimed that TV replays showed clearly that there had been an offside in the move and that the goal should not have stood. So some controversies there. And uh, Stuart, FIFA are looking at banning substitutes after 90 minutes. Uh, Tell us more. Last Sunday, Steve, Manchester City brought on Phil Foden as a sub and Liverpool brought on Naby Keita off the bench, both in the 90th minute. And they were two of six players at the weekend who made their appearance after 89 minutes of the game. Now, I'm sure this was to make an important technical switch or to replace an exhausted player who couldn't possibly manage another two minutes. Or were they just trying to run down the clock? Well, FIFA is considering banning substitutes after the 90th minute, and Premier League statistics show that up to a quarter of all substitutions are made in that time. In most cases, it's to disrupt the game or to run down the clock, frankly. And the officials add on 30 seconds for a substitution, but the interchange can take a lot longer than that. When it's a player who's on the far side of the pitch, he can seem to take forever to get across, shaking hands with his teammates, thanking the referee and so on. This is all part of the campaign that FIFA are looking at to make sure that the ball is in play for more of the 90 minutes. And, you know, there has been concern about that. A study of 800 games showed that the waiting time for corners during 90 minutes amounted on average to three and a half minutes waiting for goal kicks, just short of six minutes, and throw-ins, seven minutes. And of course, a week or two back, we highlighted the Burnley-Cardiff game, where the ball was only in play for 42 minutes. And one suggestion is that a game should be 60 minutes with the clock stopping when the ball goes out of play, the way it does in basketball. Well, certainly a lot of time-wasting tactics. And uh, Stuart, what else has caught your eye there? Um, Steve... Mo Salah scored for Liverpool against Fulham and remarkably that goal and his previous nine goals for Liverpool in open play have come in the first half of the game. He has not scored at all in the second half. Every time I have spoken about VAR, I have added the explanation video assistant referee, but no more for the Collins English Dictionary has included VAR in the list of new words in 2018. So VAR is now an official word in its own right. Well, that's terrific, isn't it? The power of football. So VAR is now in the Collins Oxford English Dictionary. And uh, we've had a manager fired in the English Premier League. Uh, Fulham have sacked manager Slavisa Jokanovic and replaced him with Claudio Ranieri, the Italian who guided Leicester City to the title in 2016, uh, with Fulham bottom of the table as we speak. 
Slavisa Jovanovic from Serbia has been there for three years and, of course, got them promotion to the Premier League last season. But Fulham are currently bottom of the Premier League. They've just five points from 12 games. A win over Burnley and two draws is all they have to show for it. 11 goals scored in 12 games, but 20 conceded. They've lost the last six league games. And this season, they have lost to Crystal Palace, Huddersfield and Cardiff City, all of them in the bottom five. Fulham, of course, have several African players we've talked about, three of whom have played this season. Floyd Ayiti of Togo, Jean Sechi from Ivory Coast, a new signing this summer, and Henri-Frank Zambo Aguisi from Cameroon. So we'll be interested to see how those players do under the new manager. And the new manager is a familiar name. Claudio Ranieri, loads of experience. In fact, he's 67. He led Leicester City to the league title three seasons ago. He was at Chelsea for four years. He has managed six Serie A clubs, including Juventus, Roma and Inter Milan, as well as two clubs in France and two clubs in Italy. So he certainly knows how to manage. Sure. Thanks very much, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. But on uh, social media, we're asking for your thoughts on the weekend's Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers. Uh, As the results come in, you can give us your thoughts uh, on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five. 232780. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Give us your thoughts on the weekend's Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers. Let us know if it's good news for you or bad news for your team. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.